What's up y'all and welcome back to Danisa Talk and today we're back on the Vinland Saga manga train with book 7. Let's get to it. Like I said, um, I know it's been a couple of weeks, but finally got around and got back time to uh, read some more Vinland Saga. And so today I'll be covering book seven, which is volumes 13 and 14, which covers chapters 87 to 100. So... Um, Hey, real quick, I guess in case if you're coming to this for the first time, you know, I'm reading through the manga for the first time. Um, I had only watched, you know, season one of the anime, and so I picked up the manga from past season one, and here I am. So, yeah, book seven. Uh, kind of uh, overall, still really enjoying it. Uh, you know, I definitely didn't expect things to end I guess you can say as peacefully as they did by the time we got to the end of this volume because after the stuff that happened you know previously with Almar kind of being a crap a craphead and you know kind of giving a can canute an excuse to come and invade the farm I just really wasn't sure like where things were going to go but you know, having or getting to see like Thorfinn really step up and try to find a solution to end the violence that didn't involve him being violent was pretty awesome to see. And then, of course, you know, with the final chapter of this volume of this book, chapter 100, Homecoming, it was definitely... I feel like the perfect chapter for such a huge milestone moment of the series, chapter 100, for things to pretty much kind of come full circle and end where it began. And so, yeah, so let's just kind of walk through this and kind of talk our way through the volume again. You know, cause like I said, just, you know, I like to try to give like a general thoughts up top and then kind of go through chapter by chapter, like to just kind of talk it out with y'all. So here we go, starting off with chapter 87, the first move. And so, you know, that was kind of, you know, Canute and his crew, you know, kind of making their way over to the farm, you know, for the first time. And so, you know, we had, uh, what's his name? Thorgill and Olimar and all them kind of getting off the boat. Uh, what's the caller's boat? Um, um, Leif's boat. That's what I was trying to think of. So yeah, so kind of, you know, seeing them return and pretty much seeing the pitiful state that Cattell is in. Like he's just <laughs> pretty much this whole ordeal had just pretty much just broken him. 
And so, so yeah, so they're back, you know, kind of informing everybody at the farm that, you know, that basically an army is on the way. And at this point, you know, they didn't specifically tell them that, oh, yeah, the freaking king's army is on the way. They were just like, oh, hey, we have some enemies coming. You know, we need to prepare. And so, of course, uh, not really concerned about that. The only thing that Sam Cattell's mind is Arnhide and trying to get to her. And so, you know, and of course now Leif is looking for, or is looking forward to trying to find Thorfinn. And so we kind of move over to, you know, seeing Snake's group with Thorfinn tied up as they're kind of discussing, you know, the stuff about, oh, hey, there's an army coming and things of that nature. And so, you know, Thorfinn and and Einar are kind of talking and Thorfinn is, you know, kind of going over about like how, you know, he's already broken his vow to never use violence again. But, and so, yeah, yeah Thorfinn's kind of just talking about how you know, violence should be the last resort. And so I know I asked him, you know, what, what would be the first resort? You know, what would be, what would the best method have been? And then basically Thorfinn's talking about how I want to be able to take that first resort at any time and never have to choose the last resort ever again. No one anywhere ever deserves to be hurt. And so... You know, we have, you know, like I said, Cattell coming back, running around looking for Einar or Arnheit. And so his wife tells him about how she attempted to escape, um, you know, with no thought of you no know, death to her. And so, of course, that sends Cattell into a rage, talking to, you know, talking about how she tried to escape that bleep itch. <laughs> and so moving over to chapter 88 punishment and so we get this kind of beautiful cover with Arnhide with these kind of like flowers and stuff as the background behind her kind of like a side portrait shot and so kind of starting off with Leif going over and talking to Snake talking about basically saying that hey you know he's there to you know that they're supposed to be releasing Thorfinn Snake is like, yo, I ain't heard nothing about this, <laughs> you know, until I hear from the headmaster himself. I ain't letting Thorfinn in. You can't come see him. And so in the process, uh, Pater, you know, comes and talks to Leif about basically about him buying another slave uh, because the agreement was that Leif basically get Thorfinn for free. And so Pater is trying to get Leif to to get um, Arnhide out of there, um, and possibly Einar, you know, just because he knows, you know, that things aren't going to go good for her. And so we have this guard that's kind of watching over Arnhide, and he kind of starts talking crap about, you know, basically about how. You know, the master's going to go easy on her, even though if it was if it was any other slave to try to escape, you know, they would be pretty much beaten to death and all this stuff. And so he's you know, just like, so just talking all this crap about like how it's a good thing he didn't leave your punishment up to us guests and talking about how, you know, they would have him and all the 
group would have, you know, stripped her down and raped her multiple times and all this crazy stuff. And so as he's trying to make a move on her, Cattell comes in carrying a giant big stick and tells the guy to basically get out of there. And he confronts Arnheit talking about how, you know, you try to escape, you know, whose slave are you? Whose are you? And then she's like, I'm yours. And then he just, from the side, just whack, knocks the crap out of her with the stick. And then basically, he just goes on a rampage, just proceeds to beat, beat her like crazy. And she even, you know, stops him like, hey, you no, know, don't hit me no more. I'm pregnant. You know, the child is yours. But of course, you know, he doesn't believe her. And... You know, we just get this crazy shot of just like his enraged face just beating the crap out of this poor lady. And then luckily Snake comes along, grabs a stick, stop her to stop him from beating her. And then, you know, basically Snake is like, hey, if you keep going, she's going to die. And he's like, if you want her to die, you know, that's that's on you. You have the technical right here. So I let go of the stick, but... You know, and then, you know, Cattell finally lets go to stick and tells Patter to, to tend to her. And then Leif ends up approaching him and saying, you know, I, I've heard that you have two of the slaves in addition to Thorfinn. They are friends of his, I understand. I would like to pay for them. And basically, Cattell's like, you know, he can have Thorfinn and Einar, but he ain't getting rid of Arnheim. She's his. And so, so yeah, so Katil goes into his little, I guess his little war chest, grab his sword and stuff. And so then Einar and Thorfinn goes to see Arnheim and see that, you know, she was beaten to death or not beaten to death, but beaten senseless. Um, and she's currently unconscious. And then that takes us to chapter 89, the eve of battle. And so we have, is this, uh, yeah, Cattell basically trying to rally all the troops and everybody on the farm. Uh, and basically this is where he confesses like who the enemy was that, oh yeah, it's King Canute is coming to seize the farm. And so, you know, he, like I said, he's just like, Gassing all these people up, knowing full well they have no chance against a freaking royal army. Because even Snake and his guys say so. But, you know, they're kind of at the point to where, you know, Snake talks about, you know, we don't really have a choice, you know. And talking about how the people, you know, they all owe the boss money. And he got them together simply by promising to wipe their debts clean for fighting. But had they known the opponent would be the king they wouldn't have come but once they were here their Norse pride demand, demanded they stay so they're kind of stuck in this like awkward prideful situation so yeah these guys are going to have to go to war and so then we you know finally see the reunion after many 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 years I think at this point it's been let me see because Thorfinn was six and then he was 16, I think, when he saw him in York. And then, which that was 10 years there. And then it's been at least like four or five years since then. So, 
all together, Leif has been trying to track down and get Thorfinn back home for probably like 15 years. But, um, but yeah, but basically, you know, Thorfinn is, you know, just telling him like, hey, you know, sorry to say this after you came all this way, but I can't leave Arnheim behind and flee the farm, you know, telling him he should take off. And then Leif is like, you know, you've changed Thorfinn. You look much better than when I saw you in York. At first, I thought you were a different person altogether. You know, you're a man now, Thorfinn, fully grown. And I found you at last. I'm not going to leave you behind and save my own skin. And so, yeah, so they're kind of going to, you know, try to tend to Arnhide. And, you know, they're basically realizing, like, she's in such bad shape that they really can't move her. You know, it's like, like even if they wanted to try to escape, you know, they don't know what condition she's truly in, her and the baby. So they're kind of stuck at the moment. And so then we kind of have the moment where they finally see the ships on the horizon. King Canute and his crew are on their way or within sight. So, yeah, so you have some dummy archer try to shoot an arrow at them. But, of course, they're not proficient enough to make that shot. And so one of Snake's dudes is like, yo, hey, don't shoot without orders. You're not going to reach them from here. Wait for the enemy to draw closer so you can all let loose them once. So you just hear somebody screaming in the background as freaking arrows come raining down from the ship to the land. And we get this freaking crazy cover for chapter 90, Price of the Food. As arrows are running down on the beach. And then Canute's guys basically make a landfall. And, you know, Canute sends basically a messenger to to Cattell, you know, because he's like, you know, because Canute recognizes how good the land looks. And he's like, rather not mess it up with, you know, covering it in blood. And then his messenger basically is like, you know, for the above reasons, his majesty, King Canute, has sentenced the traitor Cattell and his clan to 10 years of outlawry from this day forward. Normally your crimes will earn you death, but his majesty has chosen to show you and yours mercy and allowing you to live. Submit to his majesty's judgment. And he's like, that is all. You know, flee the country if you don't wish to perish. We will wait until the morning for your response. You know, and then, you know, Cattell obviously isn't having none of it. And, you know, saying, you know, basically he's not going to do it. And then his son, his older son, Thorgil, comes back after basically going to kind of scout uh, Canute's forces and kind of you know, reporting back with, you know, how many ships they have and troops and all that stuff. You know, saying like, oh, they have a hundred guys. Then all the farmers start getting hyped up because, you know, there's more of them but it's like it's like it's like these dummies don't realize like, yeah, it might be like a hundred versus like three hundred farmers, but these are one hundred elite trained soldiers versus you know three hundred farmhands, which like ninety five percent of them have probably never even seen comet before in their lives, and so uh, so yeah, so they continue to rile up the troops and get them all hyped up, and so. You know, Snake is kind of scouting himself as well. And then, you know, you know, basically just making a point of like, hey, yeah, no, these are 
you know, the, the guys that they have with them are all Thanes, as well as some Jones Vikings, like the top, the top cream of the crop. So yeah, so Snake goes and gears up for some combat. And, you know, we kind of get this moment of, you know, then you know, Snake kind of talking with his guys. And, you know, basically he's telling them to more or less like, hey, they need to get out of there. You know, like, hey, I'm going to do whatever I can, you know, to keep those 250 idiots talking about the farmers from getting themselves killed. And then, you know, one of his guys is like, it's like, we should just tie up Cattell's family and hand them all over. That's right. Then we won't have to go to war. And <laughs> one of the guys is like, you want us to tie up Thorgill? And then, you know, the, uh, one of the guys is like, it's like, hey, you know, there's eight of us. We can manage, but ain't no way they, ain't no way they're taking Thorgill. But, uh, but yeah. And so one of the dudes is like, you know, it's like he was known. Talking about Cattell, he was known as Iron Wide as Iron Fist Cattell. You've heard about how he punched a bear to death. Come on, Snake, let's just split up. Let's just split. There's nothing to be gained from standing our ground here. And then Snake starts to laugh, talking about Iron Fist. I know all about Iron Fist Cattell. And he's like, I met him when I was just a boy of 15 or 16. He taught me the ways of battle. And he was a great beast of a man. He was like an older brother to me. And then we kind of get Snake going into his background talking about a number of years ago, I got myself into some trouble, found myself on the run. I figured that if anyone could help me, could help me hide, it would be good old Cattell. I followed whatever rumors I could find until they brought me to this farm. The funny thing is, when I finally got a good look at Cattell's face again for the first time in years, and you now we have Cattell's my who are you? Do you want something? He was a totally different person. At best, he was about the same age and shape as the real thing. And the guys are like, what? What do you mean? And then this is where Snake reveals that the owner of this farm has been passing off as someone else's uh, glories as his own. He's been taking advantage of their shared name. So basically, there was somebody else named an actual great warrior named Cattell. And then this farm dude has just been using that name for clout and glory all these years. And so, you know, and so, you know, some of Snake's guys are like, I don't believe him. Mason's story was never exposed. And then Snake is like, well, I didn't have anywhere else to go. So that's how I wound up healed a guard dog here. And then Snake's like, I've, I've eaten more than my fair share of free grub. It's time for me to pay the price for that food. And then, you know, Snake is basically giving it a head on. And so his troops end up, you know, his squad ends up coming with them, you know, talking about, you know, if I ate the food of a fraud and ran off, that would make me the lowest of the low. I still have my pride as a warrior. I'm going to work off what I've eaten. And so, you know, Snake basically, you know, is telling the guys like, hey, you know, don't repeat what he told them about, you know, the fry story. So, yeah. So then we kind of start getting to, you know, chapter 91, the Battle of Cattell Farm. And so, yeah, we have Thorgill kind of showing his little brother, uh, 
what's his name? Almar. You know, basically like a potential battle plan and stuff. And so, you know, basically Thor gives planning to use all these farmers as a distraction while he sneaks around and try to flank them. And so, yeah. So, yeah, so basically the fight begins. And while the fighting is going on, Thorf and them try to make an escape with uh with Arnhide on the cart. And so So yeah, so they, they try to make their escape, you know, and we see that Ironhide is basically kind of she's basically kind of starting to slip into death because, you know, she while she's kind of in her current state, she's imagining basically her with her husband or her kids, you know, riding on a cart. You know, just living the life. And so, in this dream she's having, the car stops. And he's like, why did, you know, why did it stop? And then the guy's like, I'll be waiting here. You haven't said goodbye to the people who helped you. Go to them now. I'll be waiting here. And then this is when she starts to come too. And then, you know, we kind of cut back over to the battle. The former dudes are just getting decimated like with ease and so so yeah so heads are flying body parts are going off and so we learned that Thorgill basically his plan was to try to swim around and flank them from behind and Almar didn't do it because he's like I can't swim with the sword on my back I can't basically I can't be like you big brother and then Thorgill pops up out the water and goes to rush the king as we head into chapter 92, 100 count, as we just see people freaking eyes gouged out, limbs chopped off left and right. One of Snake's dudes got his arm chopped off. And, you know, in the moment, you know, his legs are frozen. He can't move. And as he's about to get killed, a snake comes in and, you know, slices the dude's head off and try to help him out. And so... You know, snake them or sounding for a retreat. But Katil is inherent and he's like, hey, I gave no such order. You cowards. The fight has just only begun. You call yourselves Norsemen for shame. And so. And so basically. Katil <laughs> uh, grabs one of the farmers that try to run. Talking about. And so, yeah, as Katil is going off on the dude talking about, you know, do you think this shameful display will earn you reprieve from your debt? As, and yeah, the guy's basically like, <laughs> you know, debt? Are you kidding? Don't you realize that Katil, you're finished? Do you, do you know how it feels to be helpless, to be a helpless serf like us now? You should have obeyed the king no matter how badly he treated you. The same way we all followed your commands. Might makes right. The world belongs to stronger men than you could tell. And, uh, and yeah, so yeah, the fighting continues as we see freaking heads go flying off. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah, so yeah, a guy goes and slices off who he thinks is Katil's head. And so, as that's going on, that's when we freaking get Thorgill sneaking up behind Canute 
goes in with a freaking super strong swing. Canute blocks it. And then, you know, they're like, yo, where did you come from? And, you know, Thor goes like from hell high as he just like lops off multiple dudes' heads. And so Canute's freaking sword is bent. And yes, yeah, so yeah, so we you know, begin kind of a Thorgill versus Canute. You know, as Canute kind of tries to, you know, do everything he can to try to, you know, create some distance, throwing his, his cape in his face and all this stuff. But Thorgill ends up landing a big uh, kick to Canute's gut. And as he's about to slam a blade into Canute, uh, what's his name? Uh, Wolf. Yeah, yeah, Canute's kind of right-hand guy, Wolf. Uh, puts a dagger through Thorgill's arm. Then freaking, you know, as he's trying to trying to chuck him out, to him, how, do you, how dare you turn on his majesty, Thorgill just two fingers into his eyeball, gouges his eyeball out. And so, you know, in the chaos, you know, a lot of the other uh, soldiers come back to try to you know, basically, basically everybody sees like, oh crap, we turn our backs, King's in trouble, let's head back. So then Thorgir ends up, you know, running off and diving into the water. And then, you know, <laughs> Canute's like, you know, talking about, you know, don't give chase. I was too careless, but I am impressed by his boldness. I wish to have him serve me again. And then we kind of move back over. So yeah, so then we kind of move over to, you know, uh, Arnhide waking up and, you know, basically they're telling her that they're about to leave and they're asking where they're going to go. You know, life is like, oh, you can go to my hometown. It's cold, but a good place. And then she's like, are there slaves there? He says, yes. Is there a war? And he's like, you know, there was fighting once and it would be a lot to say it would never happen again. It is part of human nature. And then she says, then I will not go. I am going to a different place now. I have a home there. My home, the one that was burned. Ghidorah and the children are waiting for me. They are waiting for me now. I just wanted to thank you, Thorfinn and Einar. Thank you for being so good to me. And then I think Einar kind of starts to figure out what she's talking about. It's like, no, you can't go there. And then... You know, Thorfinn starts to have a moment of like, you know, what do I do? What do I say? How do I keep her soul in this mortal realm? Tell me, Father. As we move, we move on to chapter 93, Birth of a Warrior. As we see, you know, this beautiful picture of Arnhide kind of just standing on this uh, grassy plain with the beautiful tree in the background. As we just cut back over to uh, the fighting with all the people just getting decimated and then snake basically realizes like okay the guy that they got killed wasn't Katil it was just somebody that looks like him and so you know he's grabbing him and trying to make a run for it and then we cut back over to you know Einar screaming at Arnheit about you know you have to bear and raise that baby you're not the only one who's dying and then she basically tells him that the baby's already gone. I can tell it's waiting for me there. I have to go to it. 
And she's like, everyone's died, everyone I cared about. What will I gain by living? Why do I have to live? It's nothing but pain. Why do I have to live? And then Thorfinn kind of had, doesn't have an answer for her. And then she pretty much fades off. And so Thorfinn tries to basically do like some like chest compressions and stuff on her. Talking about, you know, his father taught him that it's a way to raise the dead. And then, you know, Einar is screaming at her about like, telling her, I love you. I care about you. Live, stay with me. And then, you know, they realize she's gone. And then as Thorfinn kind of thinks about her final wars, he says the story, you know, far to the west across the sea, across the great sea, there's this place called Finland, Vinland. And then we see Leif in the background, you know, stunned, you know, that like after all these years, Thorfinn still remembers that story. And so... You know, then we have Snake show up with Cattell, and then Einar is obviously pissed, you know, because of finding out what happened, and then Thorfinn holds him back. Einar basically just goes into this blind rage, trying to attack Snake, but Thorfinn had to smack him super hard <laughs> to get him to snap out of it. And so, yeah, he comes to... And then, you know, Thorfinn basically tells him, like, you know, the anger you feel will not disappear after you kill the master. You know, it would only lead to more anger and more death. That's how our world descends into hell. I've seen it myself. Please, brother, don't fall under the same curse that struck me. And so, yeah, they have this moment where, you know, they kind of switch over to, you know, some little bit of time has passed and they've buried Arnhide and they're out grieving outside or next to her grave and then Einar asks him again about you know if this place he was talking about you know does he intend to go there to cross the sea and then you know he talks about you know basically how he couldn't find any words at the moment to tell Arnheide to get her to stay and so then we kind of have this 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 cool shot of just both of them kind of standing, you know, shaking hands in front of Arnheim's grave. As Thorfinn says, you know, come with me, brother. Help me create a country of peace in Vinland. And then Einar's like, let's do it, brother. We'll go beyond the sea to create a land without slavery or war for Arnheim. And that kind of ends this first volume of volume 13. And then, you know, as I like to try to do at the end of the volumes, you know, the author, Yukimura, does this little, uh, this little pat or this, you know, kind of a paragraph or whatever that he writes. And so he says, why are we alive? It's a question I've, it's a question I've lived 37 years without finding a good answer for. If you said... There is no reason to stop wandering. I would have no real retort, but I still can't help but think about it. Why do we live, produce the next generation, and pass our culture on? What lies ahead in that process? Isn't it strange? I mean, just about everything we make, from cups or pencils to computers, buildings, roads, laws or nations, 
is for the sake of human survival so we can continue living. But look at me. The best reasons I can come up with for why I don't die today are because some people would suffer and I'm afraid of dying. That's not a real answer to my philosophical question. And it certainly doesn't explain why humanity works so rationally hard for survival. But maybe, just maybe, we're actually all born with a shared purpose and it just haven't and I just haven't realized it yet. A grand purpose, something worthy of our capabilities and all of our time, something that we can die for without regrets. The reason for human existence. What would such a thing be? I like fat fantasizing about that topic. And so, yeah, take a quick little break uh, before we hop over to the next half of this book. All right. So moving on to the second half of the book with chapter 94, Recommendation of Surrender. And so we basically have Canute's forces going around and just kind of like assessing the battlefield, you know, as Canute's talking about how, you know, it was unavoidable. We needed to display our overwhelming might in battle. And then Wolf is like, you know, indeed, Cattell's side can't possibly intend to still fight Majesty. I will send another herald to recommend that they surrender. And then, uh, what's his name? Uh, Floki comes up asking him if, you know, if they could repurpose the farm buildings for the soldiers because they prefer not to sleep in the tents. And then Canoe's like, you know, all troops are forbidden from entering the farm. If the men enter the settlement, they will pillage. We will wait for a cartel to surrender here. And then Floki's like, pillaging is the rightful privilege of the victor. And then basically, you know, Canoe's basically just going back and forth like, nope, you know, we won't do it. And so then we get a moment of uh, <laughs> the ever-present floating head of King Sven, you know, just kind of talking in Canute's ear, talking about how, you know, now you show benevolence. Do you think this makes you a wise and virtuous King Canute? Lies will not work on me, boy. You want to believe that your actions are just and noble. Well, let me say this. You are correct. This is the job of a king. For the sake of creating your earthly paradise, you must choose who to kill and who to spare. It is a duty too heavy for a common mind. The world is still a hellscape. A far cry from paradise, but hell has its own ways. Noble goals cannot be achieved through noble means alone. You are correct, Canute. Kill your father, kill your brother, your people. Kill, kill, and kill until the path of bones leads to your paradise. Very chilling. <laughs> that whole thing and just like the imagery of just like this kind of like snake way, pathway, just bones and skeletons. Yeah, very symbolic. But uh, then, yeah, we kind of go over to the guest lodging where a lot of the wounded soldiers and stuff are being tended to. And we have all Mars showing up and just looking at the scene and like how horrible stuff is. And then this young lady calls out to him, you know, like, young master, daddy's arms are gone. And then 
the old, the guy whose arms was gone is like, you know, young master, please look after my daughter and my family. And Olimar is shook as he's seeing and hearing the voice of the guy he killed that started all this crap. And then, you know, he freaks out. He starts puking up and stuff. And, you know, basically just having a breakdown moment. And then, you know, Snake is talking to uh, Cattell's wife, talking about King Canute says that he will call off his soldiers if the entire Cattell family surrenders. The whole family will be sentenced to outlawry. And basically the mother is like, you must be joking. I won't do it. Exiled. This is our land. Must I leave this place to a beggar? And so... So, yeah, so, obviously, Katia's wife ain't hearing it. She's like, freaking surrender. And then, you know, Thorgan was like, you know, if I say that, we will keep fighting Snake, what will you do? And then Snake's like, I will join you. And then, basically, the the old master, Katia's father, basically is like, hey, calm yourself, Thorgil. You're not the one who decides if we fight or surrender. And then Thor goes basically like, yeah, clearly it's me because the old man is unconscious. And then the old man is like, nope, actually, you know, you abandoned the family. So the person who gets to make that decision is Almar and Almar votes to surrender. And so obviously, you know, his mother's not having it, you know, and then, you know, but Almar's like, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed, but scared. I'm scared, scared of seeing others die. And I'm scared of dying myself. I don't care if I get exiled or whatever. I just want this horrible thing to end. And then, you know, obviously Thorgill's not happy. Me, like, Is this a freaking joke, Almar? You wanted to go to war, remember? And in fact, don't forget, you started this whole ordeal. And then, you know, he admits, he's like, yeah, it's my fault. I made a fool of myself, got ridiculed, and then got mad and ran my mouth. I know it's a terrible thing I've done to mom and everyone, but since I started it, I want to be the one to end it. And so, you know, basically Thorgill keeps on trying to egg him on. And then all of them are just like, no, you know, basically just saying like, hey, this is his decision. You know, and he's like, I didn't have to. And yeah, I didn't have to the, bra the, the bravery to stand there and be left at. You know, he's like, I can't be like you, brother. I don't care about Viking pride. I surrender. Laugh at me if you want. And the old man's like, well, the acting leader of the farm has spoken. I'm going to tell King Canute. And so Thorgill, you know, is a walking out. And so, you know, we have Leif showing Leif them on the bow with Thorf and them getting ready to leave. And then, you know, basically Thorfinn starts having these thoughts talking about, you know, uh, you know, Master Survive, Canute didn't capture him which means this war hasn't ended yet maybe now i can make it in time the way things are now can i really leave this place like this and then thorfinn is like i think i've forgotten something and as we run into chapter 95 forgotten things and you know basically you know einar starts to realize like hey dude you ain't forget nothing or nothing that's that bad and so you know, basically Thorfinn is like, you know, uh, forget the master. He's I have, you know, uh, do you intend to leave unpaid the debts you owe to the old master and patter? 
So yeah, so basically Thorfinn starts to make his way over to go and try to make a deal with them. And he tells Einar that I know King Canute personally. As long as I can speak with him, I think I might make it work. And then Einar doesn't believe him. It's like, you know him, the king? Are you joking? And so they go up to the guards and it's basically saying like, hey, you know, here to see the king. You know, I am Thorfinn, son of Thorfinn, son of Thor's. And I am a farmhand on this farm. I have come to speak on behalf of the owner, Cattell. And so, of course, everybody's laughing at him, calling him a liar. And then Thorfinn's like, you know, I am, a, I am an acquaintance of his majesty. He will know me if you tell him my name. Please tell him that Thorfinn, son of Thor's, is here. And then he's like, you know the king. <laughs> and so... You know, basically Thorfinn, you know, tells him, like, yeah, you know, once upon a time, some years back, I was, it was my job to protect the king. And so, you know, even Einar is like, what? Can, can it be the king's own guard? And then the dude just, like, socks Thorfinn with a good punch. And he's like, stop talking. Stop sleep talking. And he was like, I've never seen a royal bodyguard as foul and grimy and as short as you. And Thorfinn's like, I apologize if I've displeased you, but it's the truth. And so basically this begins this back and forth where, you know, the dude starts basically just like keeps on beating up Thorfinn as Canute them are walking by. And then, you know, it finds out like, or, and Canute's like, did you find out what they're doing? And then uh, Wolf is like, yeah, they sent over a, a messenger. It wasn't a personal surrender from Cattell. Sorry, man, I'm trying to drive them off. But it seems the man is rather stubborn. Did you get his, and the canoe's like, did you get his name and position? <laughs> and then Wolf is like, he introduced himself as Thorfinn, son of Thor's, a farm, a hand on the farm. And freaking both Canute and Floki's eyes just like bulge out their heads. Like, and the canoe's like, young, short of stature. And he's like, yes, why do you know? Do you know this man? And then Canute just kind of like just rubs his scar on his face. And then at first, Canute, you know, the guy's like, hey, will you go to meet him? And then Canute's like, nope. And then Floki's also like, son of Thor's. He's like, can't be. It's a common enough name. He's kind of like laughs it off. And so we just see the dude just going in, trying to punch Thorfinn. But he's just like bobbing and weaving, dodging all the hits and stuff. I get this uh, just like really cool panels of just like Thorfinn just with ease, dodging all of his shots. And then all the other soldiers are like, like, dude, what's, what's going on with you? You haven't landed a good hit yet. And then, you know, Thorfinn's thinking about like how he can change the situation. And then basically it comes up that like, basically they, a lot of the other guys on the sideline have been betting how many hits it would take for Thorfinn to go out. So Thorfinn makes a freaking crazy bet that he will last a hundred punches. And so... And so, yeah, so, of course, that pisses off the dude. And, you know, he begins to go in on him. But, of course, Thorfinn, since he's he went through a lot of beatdowns and stuff during his time with uh, Askeladd them. And so he knows how to basically kind of, like, anticipate a punch and kind of, like, you know, contort his body to, to lessen the blows. And so we move into Chapter 96, Invincible. It's kind of funny reading that title now after the the comic book animated series Invincible, which just ended yesterday. 
as it's time of me recording this. But yeah, so Thorfinn's getting you know, punched left and right. You know, we're up to about 20 punches. Thorfinn's still taking them all. And so we just keep going. We're up in the mid-20s. And then, you know, Einar basically is like, it's like, is this what you meant by this being the first resort? Never striking back. And then we see Snake and Almar show up and like, what is going on? And then freaking Snake comes in at the wrong time and distracts Thorfinn, throws him off. And then the dude lands a really big punch on Thorfinn, knocking him way back. Uh, and then, you know, Thorfinn gets up and saying, basically, you know, uh, Snake is like, enough, stop it. The farm is surrendering. We've made the decision. You know, you fucking idiot. You never even asked us if we could settle this with dialogue. I'd have done it ages ago. I almost can't believe what a soft-headed fool you are. And then Thorfinn's asking him, like, would you really? Did you truly actually try your hardest to resolve this by talking? They drew their swords, so you did the same without even thinking. And so, you know, they're doing the counts and stuff. And then Thorfinn's like, who said, tell him to do, like, who said you could take a break, split hair? I've had bug bites more painful than your punches. And so we get this freaking badass panel with Thorfinn pulling his hair back, talking about, let's get the other 68 over with. I haven't got all day. There are people waiting for me. And so, yeah, it continues as we go through the rest of the punches. And we get to 100. Freaking Thorfinn's face is swollen like crazy. Can't really even recognize the dude. And then the dude that was punching him is like Thorfinn, son of Thor's. Forgive me for doubting you. You are a true warrior. And then the dude is like, hey, like us, this man wants to. This is his majesty's personal guard. Please allow Thorfinn to speak to the king. And then the guy's like, why didn't you fight back? You could have easily proven your experience as a former guard if you'd beaten him. And then Thorfinn's like, what kind of question is that? Who negotiates for peace by beating a man? I've only just met you today. We don't know each other or bear each other any grudge. Why should we have to bear one? Why should we have to bear be one another? It's foolishness. Isn't it Canute and Katia who have a quarrel with each other? Let the two men in charge play a game of half-tile to settle their argument. There is absolutely no reason for so many grown men to get together and shed blood. We just met today. You are not my enemies. I have no enemies. Which is just a bold statement. Like I said, calling back to what his father told him back in the very beginning. And so... You know, Wolf is like, you have considerable courage to repudiate war amongst so many professional warriors. And then he laughs about the guy, you know, about possibly the kingdom playing the game. And so, yeah, so he takes them, tells everybody to make their way. They clear a path for Thorfinn and Einar to go meet the king. As we get to chapter 97, Emperor of Rebellion. As... We finally have a long-awaited meeting, and 
Canute and Thorfinn come face to face as, you know, Canute's like, you know, you're alive. It's been some time, Thorfinn. And he's like, you know, and then Thorfinn's like, forgive me for your scar. I was possessed at the time. And then Canute's like, four years, that's, that is enough time to change a man. You've changed too. You have the face of a man in power. And, and then Canute's like, you know, you sound just like Asglad. You know, you must blame me deeply for your fall into slavery. And Thorfinn's like, nope. I turned my blood against the Danish royalty and I still have my life today. I am grateful for your mercy. And then Wolf is like, he's the man who scarred his majesty's cheek. Thorfinn Karlsson. This is the man who once fought toe-to-toe -to -toe with the great Thorkel, but he's so small and so young. You attack the king, <laughs> says Einar. You're one hell of a man, brother. And then, uh, yeah, so yeah, so then basically, you know, they go back and forth, and uh, Thorfinn's like, can you not leave the farm alone? And the basically, Canute's talking about how, you know, Almar started this all, and then, so, so then, yeah, just basically a lot of back and forth about, you know, he can't really, you know, stand down, they need to surrender, yada, 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 and then basically, Einar is like, you know, Almar is a coward. He cannot pit possibly kill a man. You set this all up, didn't you? And then basically, you know, Canoe doesn't even deny it. And then, you know, Einar's like, if you won't feel so badly, tell them yourself. <laughs> you know, I bet you've never held a hoe in your life. Try making your own field crops. Then maybe you'll understand firsthand what a terrible thing it is you have stolen, uh, to have stolen from you. And then, basically, Thorfinn kind of asked Canute if, you know, he remembers back when he said, I will, con I will create a worldly paradise in this land, an ideal country for those who live in suffering. Do you still think that way? And then, basically, Canute's like, I am the emperor, the strongest Viking in the North Sea. I rule over the largest territory in Scandinavia. I command a thousand ships, a million men. My power suppresses human understanding and makes the impossible possible. And he does this kind of like fake out like, behold, watch me calm this water, you know, calm the sea. And, you know, he doesn't do nothing. He's like, have you seen my power for yourselves? He's like, I cannot stop the lapping of the waves. And he's like, do you know who's responsible for those waves? God. And then he continues on this speech of, you know, to build paradise here on earth means to find the rules he has ordained. And so, yeah, so he kind of goes on for a while about that and talking about how power is essential and human power must be united to fight back against God. And then, you know, Einar is going off on him, talking about how to knock you off your feet. You're free to do whatever great deeds you want. Who's going to save those people you killed today? So, yeah, so that's going on. And then, you know, then, you know, Einar continues, you know, King Ether, King Ethered burned my village. King Sven killed my family. I don't care what kind of ideals they thought they were following. I've had enough. I won't be your victim any longer. And so, so yeah, so Canute or Thorfinn asking or I ask again, do you not intend to leave the farm? Canute says no. And then he says, you know, so what will you do with Thorfinn right here and now? 
will you kill me? As long as you will not, you cannot stop me. As we move to chapter 98, two paradises. And then Kenu continues, Thorfinn, can you stop the king like Asglad did back then? Go home, Thorfinn. You're a strange man, but I don't dislike you. I'd hate to kill you. And then Einhurst like, see, Thorfinn, this is the way the world works. In the end, it's the mighty who gets to write the rules. Talking is pointless. Damn Vikings. As King Sven's floating head is in Canute's ear again, saying, my foolish son, you are not quite a king yet. Why did you reveal your, your true desires to those lesser men? Did you think that it were, would rekindle an old friendship? Don't tell me you thought you would f actually find a common understanding. You cannot find common solace. You are the lonely shepherd and they the pitiful sheep. You must raise them, thin the herd, sell them, harvest their skins. How can the sheep understand the duties of the shepherd? All you do is rule Canute. That is what's best for the sheep. As Thorfinn is like Canute, if you intend to see this madness through with force, then I, I will run. <laughs> you know, as uh, King Sven's head continues, you know, he's like, uh, before that, he was like, he is dangerous. No sheep should be allowed to disobey the shepherd. Kill him. The rampage of one sheep can lead the herd astray and over a cliff. Kill him before this happens. Killed him. But yeah, then Thorfinn's just like, yo, if you're going to continue, then I'll just run. Everybody's baffled. Canute's like, you'll run. That's it. What else can I do? Should you and I attempt to kill each other over, over other here? Your power saves many people and torments a few. That is what it does. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I have no right to criticize your absurdity. So all I can do is run to a place where your power cannot reach. Canute's like, you are an excellent warrior. Surely you have more opinions than that. And then uh, Thorfinn's like, Einar, ask Katil's family if they want to come with us. Canute, you let yourself be beaten to a pulp just so you can stand before an emperor and admonish him to his face. And it didn't work. Farewell, your majesty. <laughs> As freaking Canute uh, just like bust out laughing. It's just like how absurd all this is. And he's like, many people try to come come to try to deal with me. Some try to trap me. Some try to kill me. But you, you're a fool. You didn't have anything up your sleeve. You came unarmed, took a terrible beating, and had nothing more to say than to tell me to, to not take the farm. And then Thorfinn's like, is that funny? You know, and then Canute's just like, he is a beautiful man. To think that such a man could be born from Viking kind. And he's like, so you will run then. Where will you run to, to escape conflict? Somewhere that's not here. I can't tell you where. My territory only continues to expand. Perhaps my power will reach you eventually. I'll run as far as I have to. As long as there is a place to run, I won't fight. Canute, I will go to a place beyond your reach and build a land of peace through different means. For the sake of those who cannot live in the world you create, for you 
and for me. You're saying you will fill the hole left by my great work. And can you do such a thing? You have to give me some help. My power is far smaller than yours. The hole you make might be too big for me. If you continue to persecute others like this, sooner or later, no one will be able to save you. So do some work. Don't make my job harder. <laughs> As Canoe just laughs again. And then he's like, very fascinating. I've never had such difficult peace negotiation before. As we kind of switch over and see uh, Thorgill coming up over the cliff again, looking at the shore. And he notices that all the ships are gone. Everybody's gone. And then he's like, you know, did they go to the village? He could have his ships waiting out at sea. Yes, of course, that must be it. As we see that, no, Canutham simply left. And, you know, uh, Wolf is like, Floki was mightily displeased, your, maj your majesty. He, done, he did not see why you would withdraw from the farm. And then he's like, are you displeased, Wolf? He's like, nope. He's like, we will consider, we will reconsider our plan to claim the farms of others. I wouldn't want to make Thorfinn's job harder. <laughs> I have never seen you look so jovial, your majesty. Until now, I had thought you were the only one truly fighting at my side. But today, I have gained new companions. Companions who, sake, who seek the same goal through different means. It feels good. As we roll into chapter 99, Departure. As freaking Thorfinn's poor face is just swollen up beyond, <laughs> beyond recognition. And, uh, you know, so he's apologizing. He's talking with Snake. Basically, everybody you knows just kind of, you know, wrapping things up, uh, thanking Thorfinn for what they've done. But, of course, they've told the citizens that it was Olimar who brokered peace, you know, and figured it'd be best that way. And so, you know, Almar thanks. He was like, truly, I cannot thank you enough. You know, Thorfinn, I want to be like you, a man like you, strong, kind, a real man. And so the old man, you know, says, uh, basically, you know, Thorfinn, I'm like, hey, thank you so much for everything. And the old man's just like, I used and abused you, boys. That's all. I deserve no thanks. And he offered them some gold, but Thorfinn turns it down, basically saying like, hey, y'all are going to need it more than we are to try to rebuild the farm and stuff. And so as they're heading out to sea, Snake tells them his real name. My name is Roald, Roald, son of Grimm. And so they ride off. And I do want to know if, if we would cross paths with Snake again or if we will encounter this Grimm person but, um, so yeah, so then we kind of get like a, uh, kind of like in one piece, like a, between arcs, like a, uh, around the world view. And so it's like, after that, Canute canceled his plans to seize new assets from within Denmark. He disbanded the standing army stationed in England as the cost of upkeep was straining his control over the territory. Ultimately that left only 16 ships of Canute's Danish forces in England but the English had been too frightened by the invasion to rebel. By abandoning military power, Canute changed the balance of conqueror and conquered. The English recognized the trust that Canute had placed in them, and Canute realized that the English had recognized him as their proper king. And we move over to the farm. Cattell later recovered from his wound, but he 
lost his bountiful appetite for work and entered retirement as he's over there crying for Ironhide and then stepping in for Cattell to clean up after the battle and manage the farm was his son, Almar. Almar paid a sizable reparation to the families of every man who was wounded in the battle. This payment cost Cattell's farm half of its land and wealth. But hey, they working. As we see all the snakes guys even out there working. And the old man even put a snake to work. <laughs> uh, talking about, you know, uh, you were the one who asked to be taught the ways of a farmer. Don't hold back. I'll make sure you learn it all from the very fundamentals. And the snake's like, the old man is going to outlive me too. <laughs> and then we get a brief glimpse at Thorgill. And it says, Thorgill left the farm, but never returned to Canute's service. He left alone and was never heard from again. I doubt that. I would not be surprised if at some point later down the line, he pops up somewhere. Who knows? But, uh, but yeah. And so, you know, we kind of see everybody, you know, celebrating and stuff as, you know, Leif tells Thorfinn, they're like, hey, you need to go to Iceland to basically go see your mother and sister. And we get to... The landmark chapter 100, appropriately titled Homecoming. As we get to Iceland in December of 1018, as you know, Einar is seeing this type of location for the first time, and we make landfall, and then you know, Thorfinn obviously is getting scared. He's up here trying to figure out, like, like how long has he been gone? How old am I? <laughs> and then, you know, we see people in the village, people seeing him like Thorfinn. And so I was like, who? Did the Elva have a brother? And then one guy's like, hey, guess my name. If you if you lived here, then you know my name. And then Thorfinn guesses wrong. He's like, come on, man, it's been years. <laughs> and so he sees his sister and he's like, Elva, Thorfinn. He goes to try to hug her and just boots a face talking about my brother died when he was a little boy. You know that Leif, you know, and then Leif best tries to like, no, he survived. You know, remember I told you, you know, that I went and saw him once when I was in York some years back. And then she's like, you know, you expect me to believe that a six year old boy survived on his own through battle and war. That's quite, that's quite a stretch. You just fabricated the story to cheer me and mother up, didn't you? And then as she's like choking Thorfinn. And so Thorfinn, you know, ends up sitting out on the uh, dock, <laughs> you know, basically just saying like, is my name really Thorfinn? <laughs> you know, he's even, he's basically starting to doubt himself. And so, so yeah, so kind of fast forward, he goes to the house and obviously his mother, you know, recognizes him, no doubt. As she gets a closer look at him, she's like, you look just like Thor's. You really are a father and son. Thor's had those exact same eyes as we get this awesome panel of like a side-by-side -side of Thor's face next to Thorfinn's. As, you know, they hug and embrace. And then, you know, basically we see a lot of kids. You know, his sister has had many kids and stuff. And so, 
So yeah, so they're all talking and bonding. Einar, you know, meets the mother and stuff. And then uh, Yelva comes home and basically is like, it's like, you done scammed your way into our house too. And then she just begins to just beat the crap out of Thorfinn. And then when she was like, like, oh, okay, he is the real Thorfinn. And then she just like beats the mess out of him again, talking about like, where have you been all this time, you little ingrate? You know, if you were alive all these years, why didn't you come home? You know, and that's pretty much where the <laughs> chapter ends. You know, very fitting, like I said, with with where the story began for uh, chapter 100 for it to come full circle back to Iceland, Thorfinn returning home. And so I'm going to read this little uh, ending that Yukimura put at the end of this volume saying, My sons who are both still young, call anything long they can swing around a sword. Flat thing, flat things or shells, everything else is just a weapon of some kind. Is every object in the world a weapon to you, my sons? If they get two swords in their hands, it's the start of a samurai movie. I feel emboldened to say that many boys love weapons. They love fighting. I did too. The toy stores are full of toy guns and weapons. Once you have a weapon, then you want someone to use it against. The, the reason doesn't matter. They want to fight. We've gotten used to these laser guns to fight off the bad guy invaders. Why aren't there more any bad guys here yet? Enough of the desire to arm yourselves against impeding attack, my sons. You'll be more than just hurt if you have to face off against monsters or aliens. First you run. Run, run, run. And if you can't run anymore... If your back is against the wall, then you have no choice and can fight to survive. Run, then fight. Fighting and then running is the wrong order. <laughs> and so, yeah. Uh, that's it for book seven. Um, like I said, that's book seven, which contains volumes 13 and 14, chapters 87 to 100 of Villain Saga. So... Yeah, like I said, that, that like I said at the top, that was definitely went in a different direction than what I than what I was expecting and, and anticipating for you know for the farmland arc. But like I said, that that was awesome. Uh, and like I said, it, it was some bloody stuff going on. But just seeing you know uh, Thorfinn reunite with uh, Leif, seeing him come face-to-face -face with Canute again for the first time in like four years or so. Seeing how, you know, whether both of their ideals kind of are similar in some ways, but different in other ways. Um, you know, unfortunately seeing, you know, Arnheide pass away. But, you know, Thorfinn and Einar kind of uh, uh, swear or pledge to basically kind of like, you know, build this country of Vinland to basically honor her memory. Um, but yeah, overall that was freaking awesome. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to the next one. Um, I need to go shopping to buy some more books because originally I only bought uh, five, six, and seven, and then I have 11 uh, because I just happened to see it one day and I bought it. But hey, that's, you know, that's like, another hundred chapters <laughs> or ahead of, or 40 some chapters ahead of where I'm at. So 
I got like five other books in between that I'm going to have to pick up at some point. But yeah, just know at some point soon, I will be back to uh, continue this. Um, I might take a short break on Venom Saga for a bit because I feel like chapter 100 is a good breaking point uh, to, do, to do this with. And so, yeah, we'll see. But yeah, uh, Venom Saga, still great. The Farmlands uh, arc. Good, um, you know, I, it, it definitely will be interesting to see how this might get handled when and if they do a season two, you know, if they might try to do more mix of the action stuff, because there are definitely certain parts where it's going to be like, hey, whole episodes are just them farming, <laughs> you know, and so, but yeah, we'll see, I, 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 would, I would still love to see it animated either way, but yeah, villain saga, man. All right. And that does it for another episode of Dad Needs to Talk, um, Villain Saga Edition. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this has been awesome to do again. Like I said, you know, it was kind of bumming me out a little bit that it was like, man, I was so busy with life and family stuff that it's like, man, it didn't feel like it's been like a couple of weeks since I got to dive into one of these. But uh, yeah, definitely glad I got to take some time and get through it. So. Yeah, like I said a while ago, um, chapter 100 is a great stopping point. So I don't know if I'm going to immediately dive into the next one or if I might jump over to another series because I have, you know, I also have a 20th, 20th Century Boys manga that I'm kind of eager to get into as well. So I might switch over to that for a little bit. Um, who knows? But um, as usual, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at MastermindRob7. Um, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Dad Needs to Talk. Um, you can follow me also on my website, DadNeedsToTalk.com. Um, yeah, like I said, just be on the lookout for other stuff I got going on. Um, I'm definitely, like I said, kind of interested in, you know, obviously continuing business soccer, but also. I have other manga, I even picked up some comic book stuff recently, so I have a lot of stuff, a lot of content coming up soon, um, uh, before I forget, as always, big shout out to Rifty Beats for the music, um, but yeah, so we'll see where things go from here, um, as always, thank you everybody for tuning in and listening, and yeah, I, I hope that y'all have liked the way I've been doing this, I know I know I've kind of changed and adjusted it a bit. Feels like these have gotten longer and longer with each of these villain soccer books. But I think I kind of like, you know, like reading through it myself, giving kind of like an overview at the top, and then kind of like reading through it again on the podcast, you know, with y'all. So, yeah, just, just you know, if, if anybody out there has any feedback to provide on that, cool. If not, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. But, uh, but yeah, this is fun as always. Uh, yeah I'll catch you guys in the next one uh, be kind to each other be kind to others do good in the world be good in the world take some time for yourself from time to time read some manga watch some shows get some good snacks and I'll see y'all in the next one bye peace